Can I have you all turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 9? So for anyone who is new watching online or even here tonight, uh, we just want to just say that we are studying the book of Revelation. In our study in the book, we are currently in chapter 9, uh, which deals with the fifth and sixth trumpet judgments. Now, as we have pointed out, these two, ju uh, these two judgments unleash upon the inhabitants of the earth two demonic armies that bring with them such horrific judgments that these judgments are singled out by the Holy Spirit and called woe judgments. That's Revelation 8, verse 13. So we, we almost finished chapter 9 last week. We didn't quite finish, but let's back up to verse 13 and read from there. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound in the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone that came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now, at this point in the 70th week of Daniel, we have passed the midpoint and now have moved into the second half of the tribulation period known as the Great Tribulation. As we said last time, it is unimaginable that after years of suffering, death under the you know terrifying judgments of God that have been poured out for four years now, okay, coupled with the powerful preaching of the, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists that got sealed in chapter 7 and have gone out into all the world. Of course, they got saved through the very powerful preaching of the two witnesses that we're going to see in chapter 11, but really had their ministry in the beginning at the very start of the seven years. So they preached, and we know 144,000, Paul the Apostles, got saved, but probably others did as well under the preaching of the two witnesses. And uh, then Jesus, uh, it says in chapter 14, at one point God dispatches an angel that flies through the heavens declaring the everlasting gospel. So nobody can say, I never heard the gospel. God is making sure everybody who is alive has an opportunity to hear the gospel. And then Jesus even tells us in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, verse 14, that other believers, of course, are going to go out preaching the gospel. You would think after all of these things now, four years, that's a long time, uh, that, that God is reaching out to people. You still have a whole group of unbelievers. How many? I don't know. Probably a lot still. Who refuse to repent and receive Christ. You say, well, why is that? Well, I think one of the obvious reasons is because, as the scriptures teach, the more you say no to Jesus Christ, you know, every time you hear the gospel, when a person hardens their heart and says no to Jesus, their heart gets a little harder. The next time, a little harder. Now, I don't know if, you know, I mean, every person's different. 
one person might hear the gospel five times and their heart is so hard they'll never receive Christ. Another it might be 50 times. I don't know. I do know that the Bible teaches that the more you say no to Christ, the harder your heart gets until you eventually pass what I've been calling the spiritual point of no return. There's no going back. There's, there's, you are beyond now ever receiving Christ. Not that because God has shut the door, but because you have shut your heart so definitively and so firmly that it's what the Bible calls blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's ministry is to bring people to Christ. Uh, speaking to their hearts, bringing conviction, opening their eyes, using people to witness to them. The Spirit's whole ministry is to draw people to Christ. And when a person, you know, says no, 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 they're saying no to the Holy Spirit, uh, and all that the Holy Spirit is trying to do, they're writing off like the Pharisees, Jesus did his miracles by the power of the devil. And that's when Jesus said, you're, you're getting very close to committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That was Matthew 12. Then John 12, it says that the Pharisees could, you know, they would not believe, still hope though. Then it says they could not believe. They had passed that spiritual point of no return. But I think there's another, a further reason why these people are continuing to say no to Christ, refusing to receive him as Savior and God. And I think it's because, and this is probably more to the point, something we started to look at last week and we, we uh, ran out of time. And, and the reason that these people who are left refuse to come to Christ and receive Him as their Lord, their Savior, their God, is because, guess what? They have a new God that they've committed their lives to and are now worshiping with such zeal. It's, it is motivating them to kill anyone who will not worship Him also. You know, the Bible tells us, and we're, you know, throughout the course of our study in Revelation, we've touched on some things over and over again. Well, you know, because we keep basically studying the same period of time, so, you know, we do repeat things. But the Bible tells us that a world leader is going to arise and unite the world in a one-world government. We call him the Antichrist. He goes by over 30 names uh, titles in the in the Bible. The one that we call him by is one that's he's not actually called by, but we best know him as the Antichrist, right? Uh, this world coming world leader is going to unite the world in a one world government. Well, the Bible also tells us that he's going to have a, a cohort, another person called the false prophet, who will unite the world in a one world religion. Together, they will deceive the whole world with the exception of those who get saved, of course, during the tribulation period. Paul the Apostle said that the mystery of iniquity is already at work. By that he meant to say, Satan has been working for a very long time for the coming of the Antichrist. Uh, you know, I believe he's been doing it since the Garden of Eden, not just since Jesus came on the scene, okay? So, you know, a long, long time. You know, roughly 6,000 years now, the devil is continuing to prepare people, the world, to receive this ultimate deceiver, uh, that they're going to embrace unbelievers as a Messiah, a Savior. And um, it's interesting that, as Paul said, the mystery of iniquity is already at work, and that Satan is, is, has been preparing the world to receive this false Messiah and embrace his false gospel, which the Bible calls the lie. Now, we've talked about the lie many times. We'll talk about it more when we get to chapter 13. Let me just say this, though, that, and here's where we started to look at this last week. In fact, why don't you turn to 2 Thessalonians 2. The Antichrist and false prophets are going to come on the world scene and they are going to be preaching a gospel, quote unquote. The word gospel means good news. It's not going to be a true gospel. It's not going to be true good news. But the devil is going to convince people that it's good news to follow the Antichrist because he's going to bring a whole new world order. And that's what people are looking for, aren't they? 
But 2 Thessalonians 2, let's read verses 9 to 11. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So he's going to have the ability to do miracles, real miracles. But they are going to deceive. They're going to send people down the wrong path. Um, you know, a false gospel, so, so to speak. Verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The reason God will allow the people of this world to be so deceived is because, by the Antichrist, is because they have rejected God's truth. And, and it wasn't just one rejection. I mean, they have been rejecting it for their entire lives. And, you know, as we have pointed out in our studies in the past, God gives His truth, His light, to folks. Those that receive the light of God's truth, embrace it, love it. He'll give them more light, enough to be saved for sure, okay? If they don't love God's word, if they don't love his light because, John 3, their deeds are evil, and they won't come to the light lest their deeds be exposed, God eventually says, if you don't love the light, you don't love the truth, then you're not worthy of it, and he begins to withdraw it. Their hearts get darker and darker, and now they are more open to Satan's deception. This is what is going on here when the Antichrist shows up. This is what Paul is talking about. Because they wouldn't receive the love of the truth that they might be saved, the gospel. The gospel is God's love letter to a fallen world. I know you blew it. I know you're not worthy to be with me in my kingdom forever. I know that you're a fallen sinner and all you deserve is judgment for all eternity. That's the bad news. The good news is, but I love you with all my heart. And I don't want you to spend eternity in hell. And that's why I sent my son to die for you. If you go to hell, it's not because I wanted to send you there. It's because you chose to go there by rejecting the truth. Right? And so nobody lives in a vacuum. People reject the truth that would have filled their hearts. Well, something's going to fill their heart, right? If it isn't the light of God's truth, it's the darkness of Satan's lies. And that's what the, Paul was saying here. They refused to receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Um, verse 11, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Now, some of your translations may not say the lie. I checked it out in the Greek last time I taught this. And yes, the definite article is definitely there. It is a very specific lie. Some of your paraphrases might not have it, you know, the lie, okay? The world is full of lies. But there is one lie that is the mother of all lies. It is the mother of all lies that has given birth to all false doctrine. Started in the Garden of Eden. Paul talked about it here, 2 Thessalonians 2.11. He also mentioned it in Romans 1.25. A very specific lie. And we've talked about this. We don't have time to get into it tonight. You can go online, access our Genesis study, because we talked about the lie. We'll, we'll visit it again. I just don't want to do it tonight. we got chapter 13 coming up where the Antichrist actually institutes this false religion. We're just kind of touching base with it tonight, okay? But um, what I want you to know is that this lie that the Antichrist and false prophet preached to the world is in the context of verses 3 and 4 of 2 Thessalonians 2. Back up to those where Paul first of all said, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. That is the Antichrist, right? who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. What did the devil want? I mean, he was the number two guy in heaven, right below the Trinity, right? But he didn't want to be number two. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be worshipped as God. 
So it's, it shouldn't surprise us that uh, his son, quote-unquote, right, uh, the Antichrist, following in his father's footsteps, is now uh, is just consumed with a desire to be worshipped rather than people worship the true and living God. So, you know, he exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, uh, the Jewish people have plans right now to rebuild their temple. They've had plans going on for years. Uh, they have all the priestly garments made. They have, I believe at this time, all the implements that went into the tabernacle, the menorah and table of showbread and uh, golden altar, all that made up that tabernacle in the wilderness, right? Um, they have are preparing, I even believe they have a schematic, I think I heard, of the wiring uh, of the what, what's going to be this new temple, right? Isn't it interesting when Jesus said, when you see, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, sitting where? In the holy place. Well, how are we going to get into the holy place? I mean, that was forbidden, right? But they worked it out where they're going to have a camera in there, and they're going to be filming it so people will actually see the Antichrist, those alive at that time, taking his image and putting it into the holy of holies, where he now demands to be worshipped as God. This is the beginning of his new religion and it's a going to be a worldwide religion no other religions will be tolerated we'll see that we get to chapter 17 very interesting chapter by the way but guys and i could be way off i'm speculating based on what i believe is based on the lie in genesis chapter 3 that satan introduced into the world at that time that lie was in its embryonic state back then it's had 6,000 years to grow and develop and spread like a cancer across the entire world. It's out there. And it's now ready. It's bringing forth its demonic poison doctrinal fruit. And people of this world are going to... So, based on that, I believe that the Antichrist religion will not only be rooted in the, in the belief that he is God, yes, it says it right here, we know that, but also, I believe, his gospel is going to be preached. How's, how are all these people following him so willingly? willingly? Uh, something has got to be going on, right? He's going to have a gospel. It's a, a lying gospel. It's not going to be God's truth, right? Satan's lies. But I believe that the Antichrist is going to be able to draw so many people because he is going to be preaching a gospel that basically says to them that they too can become a super race of God beings who will live forever. A super race of God beings who will live forever. Now we all know that the desire for man to become God, again, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And the lie Satan told Eve, Eve, don't worry about eating the forbidden fruit. You know, God doesn't want you to become like him, like God. And that kind of thing, right? The main way the Antichrist will be able to deceive people, I believe, into following him is by showing them his supernatural powers and telling them that just as he ascended to godhood, so can they, if they follow and worship him, again, the same lie that Lucifer told Eve in the Garden of Eden. Guys, this has been the main um, belief of different religions on the face of the earth, the goal of Hinduism, Mormonism, the New Age movement, other movements, other groups have always wanted to be God. Many of them acknowledge they are gods, uh, but they just forgot. How does, how does God forget he's God? Not much of a God. Okay. Um, remember what Satan told Eve? In the day that you eat of the fruit of this tree, your eyes will be what? Opened. You'll be enlightened. You'll be enlightened. See, Eve, the path to Godhood is through enlightenment. And that's why you've got to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
That's how you're going to become enlightened and realize your own divinity. Has that message gone from the face of the earth today? That's everywhere, isn't it? It's everywhere. I mean, everywhere you look, there are groups who believe that they themselves are really gods or that they are part of a one collective god. One god, but in a collective... All people on the earth are part of this god. Uh, pantheism, right? But um, they teach all we need to ascend to God who is God who is to be enlightened. And when enough people are enlightened to their own divinity, I believe this is going to be the Antichrist gospel. It, it, by the way, it's the New Age gospel. Satan doesn't really invent new stuff. He just repackages the old stuff. Or what he's done is he introduces it uh, in a limited form and eventually just keeps... Because you know what? If a lie is so incredibly big, you're like, get out of here, right? The devil's too smart for that, so he just feeds you little pieces of the lie, you know, until he gets you hooked, right? And, and, and that's what he's been doing. That's what he's been doing. And um, you, you remember years ago, gosh, I don't know what... It was so long I forgot. It was in the 80s, 90s. Um, do you remember that people around the world who bought into this idea of this collective... Let me finish my thought and I'll go back to it, okay? What these people are teaching today that at one point, if enough people get enlightened, that's the whole idea. More people get enlightened, more people get enlightened to their own divinity. At one point, the human race, listen, is going to reach a critical mass of collective consciousness. So they believe. And when it reaches this critical mass of collective consciousness that so many people believe in their own divinity, that they're God, the human race at that point is going to take a quantum leap in the evolutionary process to Godhood, to Godhood, and to a glorious new age for mankind. There was this, it was a worldwide thing. Again, I don't know if it was the 80s, 90s where uh, at a certain time, Greenwich Mean Time, the whole world was to visualize, all these folks, to visualize world peace. It was called, um, I, I, only, I, I dubbed it something silly, uh, but it was, it was, you know, the idea was encouraging people to join in, to have a critical, you know, critical mass of consciousness to, to catapult the world into the new age because they believe if enough people visualize the new age, you know, the power's in your mind, right? It's a Hindu thing, by the way. You know, that uh, you, don't, you don't like your reality, you just focus on a new reality because right? they believe that the, the, the physical universe is really just an illusion created by your mind called the maya. You don't like your reality, you're poor, you want to be rich, you're sick, you want to be healthy. You just got to visualize a different reality. Because if you visualize it and you think on it strongly enough and long enough, you're going to bring it into reality. Well, there's a lot of groups that have embraced that teaching, okay? Um, so this is what um, they believe. And the Antichrist, I believe, is going to bring it to fruition. I think that it's simmering out there. A lot of groups have embraced it, but he's going to make it a reality for the whole world. I believe, guys, the very lie that caused the human race to fall in the beginning, in the garden, is going to be basically the same lie that's going to be the ultimate deception that Satan's going to use against the human race in the end. I mean, come on. When two people decided they wanted to be God and to do what God said not to do because they thought by eating of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would become gods and God judged the whole world. Can you imagine a whole world of little gods? God help us. Can you imagine if that was real? If these folks really could create things with the power of their mind? Can you imagine the conflict? The earth would be ripped to shreds by all these little gods exercising their will over others. Thank God it's not a, it's, it's a lie. But a lot of folks believe lies today. Oh, yeah. They really do. <laughs> and we have to be careful, right? So I believe that the very lie that Satan brought, introduced into the human race, remember now, he, he's the ultimate rebel, right? 
I think Saul Alinsky, a very profound rebel, uh, dedicated his book, Rules for Radicals, to the first rebel of the universe, Lucifer. Wow. But what Satan couldn't, if Satan couldn't cause his rebellion to work in heaven, to overthrow God. And so he brought it, he exported it to the earth. And this is what we're dealing with right now. Every problem on the face of the planet is because people have rejected God, his will, his word, his ways, his love, and have replaced it with self-love, my will, my ways, to get what I want. I don't care about anybody but me kind of a thing. And we're seeing it, okay? But it, it just, you think it's bad now. Wait, wait till it comes to a, a crescendo during the tribulation period, okay? Now, again, this is what I believe Satan is going to use against the same lie, going to use against the human race in the end. And that's going to be the lie Jesus is going to come and interrupt, judge. Well, he's going to be judging people before he returns, but he's going to finish what he started then. So, all right, back to Revelation 9, verse 21. And so after these horrific judgments, I mean, reread chapter 9. Wow. It says, and they did not repent. Now, these will be whatever unbelievers are left. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Guys, don't see these things as disconnected things. See them all in the context of the Antichrist New World Order. Um, they did not repent of their murders. Well, sure, the Antichrist followers are killing everybody who won't worship him. That's murder. Sorceries. Well, we'll talk more about that in a second. But you're going to see the occult explode during this period of time. Sexual immorality. The devil who is going to be worshipped, the dragon, check it out. During the tribulation period, at one point, people worshipped the dragon, Satan, and his son, quote-unquote, the Antichrist, right? And Satan is a great promoter of sexual perversion. The more our country has turned its back on God, don't you know how perverted our country has gotten and it's getting worse. I'm talking about sexual perversion. Or thefts. We'll talk about that more in a second. Let's break it down. Murders. Well, Jesus said of this time, Matthew 24, verse 12, Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Guys, we are seeing the beginnings of this even today. We are seeing the devil stoking all kinds of racial hatred. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that during the tribulation period, he said that nation would rise against nation. And the Greek word is ethnos, from which we get our word uh, um, you know, ethnic, ethnic, I was thinking of something else, but ethnos, which we get our word ethnic from. There's going to be ethnic tensions. What's well, being fueled by demonic servants of Satan who want to vision, who want, because they want us to kill each other so that they can rebuild America in their own image, right? But Jesus warned us, and we're seeing the beginnings of it. With, you know, last summer with the riot, Antifa and BLM riot, Black Lives Matter, and, and uh, how, how they were just pillaging and raping and, and murdering and burning things down, lawlessness, abounding. And the thing about it is you look at that and go, why aren't our government officials, the mayors and the governors of these states, why aren't they doing it? They're, they're telling the police, stand back. Just stand back, let them do it. They are facilitating this whole thing. One author said, and again, you think it's bad now? Wait till the people of the world see what's coming. One author said this, and I quote, In addition to idolatry, violent crimes like murders will be rampant. Bereft of any sense of morality, evil, 
unrepentant people will imitate the demon's hordes murderous bloodlust. Believers in the true God will no doubt be their prime targets as they lash out seeking revenge for the disasters God has brought upon them, end quote. It's not that they don't know where these disasters have come from. They know it's from God. I mean, you got the two witnesses, the 144,000. You've got all kinds of people screaming from the housetops. These are judgments of God. You need to receive Christ, repent, uh, to escape what's coming, the rest of it. And, of course, hell for eternity, right? So the people of this world are going to know what are the, is the cause of these great disasters, catastrophes, right? No, they can't get at God. So what do they do? They get at the people who love God, the people whom God loves, right? Can't hurt God and then kill his kids, right? Because that way you can strike at him a little bit in some way. Sorceries. This is interesting. This uh, comes from the Greek word pharmacone. Pharmacone a word from which the English words pharmacy and pharmaceuticals derive. The Greek word actually is referring to hallucinogenic drugs, which were often used in pagan worship to induce an altered state of consciousness, things like peyote, LSD, other drugs that created a, 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 a hallucinogenic state where your, your mind was detached from you know, your, uh, your body, but, but, but it opens a person up. And that's the problem. It's like Christians have said to me over the years, what do you think about hypnosis? I said, I don't think much of it. You don't think it works? I don't care if it works. You're giving control of your mind to somebody else. You never give control of your mind to anybody because what you're doing is you're, and, and it's double what, what I'm talking about here. When you take a conscious-altering drug like LSD or peyote or some other, I'm not a pharmacist, I don't know what's out there. I'm sure there's others. What happens is it creates within you, and you enter into an altered state of consciousness, which in that state, you're not in control of your mind anymore. You're not in control of your mind. These kind of drugs, guys, were and still are believed to induce a higher religious state of communion with deities and spirit guides. If you're old enough to remember the 1960s, and I'm just barely old enough, but I remember some of this, okay? If you're old enough to remember the 1960s, you remember how young people were getting high on LSD and taking psychedelic trips, as they called it. During those trips, some of these young people primarily, began having encounters with spiritual entities that identified themselves as spirit guides or ascended masters. Those that had ascended from the physical and were now out, their spirit was out on the astral plane, and they could come and interact with people who opened themselves up to these spirit guides. And the idea was these spirit guides were telling these people on these trips that they had come to help the human race. Now, these weren't spirit guides at all. These were demons masquerading as ascended master, white masters, those that, you know. But the lie, we have come to help the human race. Um, I've always been interested in UFO phenomena. I've never believed they're aliens from another planet. I've always believed they're demons masquerading as beings from another planet. That's my conviction. I might be wrong. I don't think so. Isn't it interesting how UFO sightings are in the increase? And some people have even had close encounters of the third kind, you know, where they've actually uh, communicated with these extraterrestrials. And the message that's coming forth from these beings is we're not here to hurt the people of the earth. We're here to help. I was watching one program where they had some scientists on there 
who had come to a place where they believed that this was not uh, hoaxes and uh, and all the, this was real phenomenon they couldn't explain. And one of the scientists said, you know, obviously their technology is hundreds if not thousands of years ahead of us. They could wipe us out in a heartbeat, a second, the scientist said. Because they haven't, we have to assume they're not here to hurt us, they're here to help us. And I believe that you're seeing the increase of these UFO sightings because the stage is being set for when the Antichrist comes, and who knows if when he comes, there won't be also coming with him uh, these extraterrestrials masquerading as, you know, as uh, beings from another planet that are going to help the human race get past this very difficult time we're in, that kind of thing. It's all demonic. And people are going to embrace this. You know? You know, the... the, the the vaccine is for your benefit. What did, uh, was it uh, one of the presidents that said, uh, I think he said the seven scariest words in the human language, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> was it Reagan I think said that? I don't know. God help us when the government wants to help us. Okay. But I'm just saying, the stage is being set. The stage is, I think it has been set. I don't think we're far from the Antichrist making his appearance. We have to be out of here. But um, but here's the thing where I was go, going with this, guys. Um, during these, um, again, in, in, in the 60s, a lot of these young people were getting high, LSD, uh, psychedelic trips. During... Some of those trips, uh, some of these young people began to have encounters with spiritual entities uh, that identified themselves as spirit guides come to help the human race, to help the human race enter into a glorious new age. They even had a song about it in the 60s, the age of Aquarius. And I've talked about this. These folks believe that Jesus Christ was the reincarnation of the Christ spirit for this present age. We're still in this age, from Jesus to the present called the Piscean Age, right? But there is coming a new reincarnation of the Christ spirit, Maitreya Buddha is coming, to, to be the Christ, the Messiah of the new age, the age of Aquarius. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Mystery of Iniquity has already worked, yeah. Uh, has been for a very long time, okay? The problem was, these kids having these uh, psychedelic trips, acid trips, that these acid trips were not always positive, Right? In fact, bad trips led many young people to kill themselves, some accidentally, others deliberately. But then something incredible happened. Hippies back in the 1960s began to realize that they could get in contact, listen, with the same spirit guides, quote-unquote, we know them as demons, through transcendental meditation, TM, that they had been in contact with through the use of LSD, but without all the negative consequences, the bad trips, and so on. So many of them made the transition into Eastern meditation and Eastern religions. Now, I was old enough to remember the Beatles, okay? Uh, Liverpool's youthful idiots that could sing, because look, in the books that I've read, back in the 60s, you had, uh, you had uh, uh, holy men from the East who wanted to come over to America and indoctrinate us into the ways of Hinduism. They came over and realized that we're a nation under God. We were founded on God's word. And so they, they couldn't really make any headway. Our faith was too ingrained in Americans at that time. So they changed their tactics, and they began to invade the self-help movement and the music industry. And you had groups like the Beatles, who initially came on the scene, and you know they started to take the, the uh, you know weed and other drugs and things, 
uh, and eventually you saw them kind of morph into these uh, gurus with the different kind of dress, you know, at the end of the 60s and so on? That's because this metamorphosis was taking place, that these kids were in contact with spirit entities, again, demons, that they didn't know they were demons. They really believed they were ascended masters. They were spirit guides sent here to uh, help the human race and so into this glorious new age, right? Um, but what happened was LSD was the kindergarten that hooked people. Transcendental meditation was the graduate school. Back in those days, guys, there was a young man named Ravi Maharaj. Ravi Maharaj. His father, he was Indian, of course. His father was looked upon as a god in India. He was the top guru of the, the religion, okay? And Ravi was being groomed to take over for his father. When his father died, Ravi stepped in to that role. And he was being looked at as like this god person, you know? But Ravi was... God was working, but Robbie was becoming more and more disillusioned because he was on the inside. He, he, was, he was right there at the heart of everything. He knew all that was going on. The common person was fed lies all the time, and they believed it. But Robbie knew there was a lot of you know lies going on, right? Not only that, he had a servant who was a born-again Christian. and was You can read about all of this in his book, Death of a Guru. Check the Amazon, still for sale. Okay? Death of a Guru. He had a servant who was a Christian. And the Christian kept talking because Ravi was unsatisfied with the religion of Hinduism. It didn't really solve anything. I mean, reincarnation doesn't solve anything. It doesn't solve the problem of sin. It just perpetuates sin. Because every sin, every crime in one life has to be replicated in the next life. So it, it, doesn't, it never ends. And anyone that is a thinker at one point begins to realize that. Where Christianity answers all the problems. We sinned, Jesus died, his blood paid for it all. Our debt is paid. Our, our, uh, uh, our account is marked paid in full, right? Christianity is the only religion that really solves the problem of sin, right? So Robbie was wrestling. God was working. And his, his servant was witnessing to him, witnessing to him. Finally, he got so bad, he was so tortured in his thoughts, that he entered into his room locked with a gun, loaded gun, locked the door. He had uh, his holy books from Hinduism and a copy of the Bible. And he said, I, I, either I'm going to find the truth or I'm going to kill myself. Three weeks later, he came out of that room a born-again Christian. And as he began to witness to people, he realized that a lot of the young people he was witnessing to in America, and I think he came to America, knew the same gods he knew as he practiced transcendental meditation things. He, they knew him by name. This is before they started getting into TM heavy, you know, just by using LSD, right? They knew, they knew the God's names. And so he realized rather quickly that there are different groups all over the world. They think they're completely separate. Many of them don't even know the other group exists. But they're just entry points that lead to the hub, the middle of it all, which is the devil. It's all his lie, Okay. He just packages and presents it to different people, different groups, who think that they're on their own and all, but they're really just, these are just entry points into the grand illusion, grand deception that the devil is fostering. The Antichrist, I believe, is going to bring it to its climate, okay? But I thought that was interesting, you know, how that, he, he realized, wait a minute, here I'm a guru in India and I'm meditating, you got some hippie in California taking LSD. We know the same gods? How is that possible? Well, of course, he quickly figured it out. It's all deception. Also, guys, the Greek word pharmakon, sometimes referred to as pharmakia, 
where we get our word pharmacy from, but it can also refer to other things, okay? Like poisons, amulets, charms, seances, witchcraft, incantations, magic spells, contacting mediums. The idea is that it's a substance that is used for many different purposes. Most of it is going to be tied to pagan idolatry and to illicit lust designed to seduce and so on. So whatever these drugs are going to be when the Antichrist shows up, their whole purpose is going to enhance people's contact with the spirit world and it's not going to be good spirits it's going to be you know it's going to be the devil's demons right but i just wanted you to realize that people are going to dive deeper and deeper at this time when the antichrist comes they're going to be diving deeper and deeper into the satanic trappings of false religion and demon worship during this period of time all right sexual immorality Another sin that the militant unbelievers, um, as we come into chapter 9, we're now past the midpoint of the last seven years. So unbelievers that are left are the militant variety, the earth dwellers. Um, they're going to refuse to turn away during this time from immorality. immorality. Now, the word immorality comes from the Greek word pornea, a word we get the English word pornography from. Pornea is a general term describing sexual sin of every variety, including fornication, adultery, incest, rape, bestiality, homosexuality. Any sexual perversion is covered by the Greek word pornea. Okay? It tells us that the world at that time is going to be given over to indescribable and insatiable sexual perversions that will be running rampant in that day. Thefts. Finally, people will refuse to repent of thefts. This doesn't just refer to holding people up at gunpoint and stealing their property. It could also apply, and I think it very much so applies, to the redistribution of wealth under the guise of Marxism or communism, you know, or even under the, under the guise of climate change. Do you think climate change is really about saving the planet, you know, through climate change? It's, it slipped out uh, through, uh, it was uh, AOC's uh, uh, chief of staff who blurted it, he was fired, but blurted it out, you know, a couple of years ago that it's not about saving the planet, it's about controlling people. That's what, it's all, that's what it is all about. Uh, in fact, I was reading an article today where the author uh, wrote a book called The Watermelon Economy. Yeah, green on the outside, red on the inside. Okay, Environmentalism is the hook. The goal is communism. They talk about socialism, you know, we can talk about the Great Reset in a second. Socialism, not socialism, it's flat out communism. Under socialism, you still own property. Under communism, no state owns everything. And uh, that's what they're talking about. But, um, you know, it could be talking about, though, I mean, yeah, sure, people robbing others with guns, okay. Um, but I think the bigger issue is going to be how the Antichrist, one world totalitarian, I believe, communist government is, uh, is going to be uh, uh, ripping people off. It's going to be, you know, under the guise of wealth redistribution, you know, making everything fair and leveling the playing field, right? It's all going to be designed to control, and the state is going to own everything. Again, I was reading a few articles today about the Great Reset. Maybe you've heard the Great Reset, okay? You can Google it, all right? And a lot of people want to quickly dismiss it as a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory because the people who are involved in this whole thing admit what they're doing it's not you know speculation you know no these people and, and one of the people uh, is a klaus schwab who uh, established i forgot what it was in 1971 but he's been working with uh heads of state and very wealthy people anyways there is a small group of very very wealthy individuals 
who want to rule the world. They want to turn every person into, you know, basically slaves to the state. Uh, they talk about the Great Reset. We're going to just bring the world off of capitalism, which is, you know, really um, uh, disproportionately spread the wealth around. We need a fairer system. And it's going to be, it's going to be socialism. Not socialism. Flat-out communism. You know? Um, but Schwab made the statement, you won't own anything, but you'll be the happiest you've ever been. Yeah. Will he own something? You think Bezos is not going to own anything? Uh, or, or, you know, these, these, these guys that, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, we're all equal comrades, but some are just more equal than others. I read Animal Farm, one of the few books I did read. So when it talks about thefts, I believe it's a lot bigger than what we would commonly think of. But, uh, you know, it was God who instituted private property. You realize that. We studied the book of, uh, book of Exodus. When God says, thou shalt not steal, that implies private property. And there's a lot of other things we could look at. God was the one who instituted, because God knew, of course he knew. Socialism never works. If everyone works for this, and, and remember we said how, in, I think it was chapter 6, that at one point, a person's going to work all day just to make enough money to buy bread for himself for the day. That could very well be because they're under a communistic form of government, the Antichrist. And you're going to work because they're going to make you work, but everyone's going to get the same pay. Enough grain to eat for one day. It could be the very thing we're talking about. But listen, like morality at this time, so bad, honesty will be non-existent as people compete for the increasingly scarce supplies of food, clothing, water, shelter, and medicines. One writer had this to say. He said, and I quote, Under the influence of the massive demon forces, the world will descend into a morass of false religion, murder, sexual perversion, and crime unparalleled in human history, end quote. And again, don't forget the reason for this unbridled evil throughout the world, and that is because the church has been removed via the rapture. Turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, and we'll bring it to a close. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 6. Again, the reason why evil is going to be so rampant and unbridled during the tribulation period is because the church has been removed from the earth. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 6, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The words restraining in verse 6 and restrains in verse 7 both come from the same Greek word meaning to hold in check. To hold in check. This means that the Antichrist, who is actually called the lawless one, will be the epitome and personification of lawlessness, who cannot be revealed as long as the Holy Spirit is at work in the world at this present time. Now, don't get me wrong, and we've talked about this. We talk about the restrainer, in other words, the Holy Spirit, being removed from the earth before the Antichrist can be revealed. I believe he's around now. I believe he, he, he's, he's alive, and he's, he's on the on-deck circle. I think he's getting ready to be brought out. But he won't come to power officially until the church is gone. The Holy Spirit is working in and through the church, right? Um, but we, we're not saying when the church is raptured, the Holy Spirit is going to be gone from the earth. He'll be gone from working within the church, but he'll still be on the earth working. Because during this period of time, 
hundreds of millions of people are going to get saved. Nobody can be saved without the Holy Spirit. He's going to be very, very active during the tribulation period. But what is in view, again, is the Holy Spirit working through the church and the world. Jesus said about the church, you are the light of the world, right? You are the salt of the earth. Of course, light dispels darkness. Salt in that culture retarded decay. They didn't have refrigeration, so what they did was they rubbed salt into their meat, which killed surface bacteria and kept it a little longer from, being, from going bad, right? And that became a metaphor for the church, how God has introduced us into the world, and we are a light in the darkness, and we are a retardant against evil and corruption because of our witness. Once the Holy Spirit and the church is removed from the earth at the rapture, guys, there's going to be nothing restraining evil, which will then spread quickly like a fast-growing cancer and cause worldwide spiritual and moral decay to take place and will invite, as things get so unbelievably corrupt and evil, it's going to invite the judgment of God upon the world for its wickedness and rebellion. When I say invite the judgment of God upon the world for its wickedness and rebellion, that's been going on since the first seal was broken at the beginning of the seven years. I'm talking now as we moved into the second half, and nobody else is going to get saved. Everyone who's going to be saved has gotten saved. And now they're worshiping the Antichrist, who's encouraging sexual perversions and that people can be God and don't listen to those people who are telling you Jesus is God. No, the devil is God. You know, that kind of thing. It's going to get so bad that God is now going to ramp up his judgments. Again, called the woe judgments. Well, yeah, just give me a couple more minutes. We'll finish chapter 9, okay? So back in Revelation 9, verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Remember how John closed his first epistle. He said, my ch little children, keep yourselves from idols. From idols. We've talked about this, right? Of course, modern skeptics will read something like that, or Revelation 9, verse 20, and they'll just scoff at that. And say, well, that's ridiculous. They'll tell you, modern enlightened people don't worship idols. Oh, really? Now who's deceived? Now who's deceived, right? They don't worship idols or practice idolatry anymore. Well, they do, but they really are going to when the Antichrist shows up and declares himself to be God. Guys, by this time, the Antichrist has already now, we're, we're going to do a flashback uh, soon. But by this time in chapter 9, the Antichrist has already caused the sacrifices in oblations to the true and living God taking place in the newly rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, and he has caused them to stop. He has put his own image in the Holy of Holies and his demand to be worshipped as God. We are talking about worldwide idolatry and demonic worship. It's always been around in pockets. We're talking worldwide global idolatry um, and perversions beyond anything we can even comprehend. And this is why God now ramps up the judgments unleashed upon the people of the world as the world has now entered the second half of the 70th week of Daniel. And as I just said earlier, the woe judgments now begin to be poured out. There's no point in God holding back any longer. In, in judgment, remember mercy, I think Amos said. And that's, that's a, a, the, what God always does. But not anymore. There's no point. Everyone who was going to get saved has gotten saved. What is left is militant earth dwellers who are the epitome of idolaters, God-haters, devil lovers, that kind of thing. And so God now begins to pour out these woe judgments, followed by the bold judgments, very horrific judgments. And these will all lead up then to the return of Jesus Christ. But we will continue next time, God willing, in chapter 10. And um, 
This is very long. Maybe we'll get done with it and get into chapter 11, which is very interesting. Very interesting. So read ahead and come on back. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you have opened our eyes to your truth. Thank you, Lord, that you kept working on us until we softened, Lord, until you broke us down and we received Jesus. The light went on. And thank you, Lord, that we can see a world of darkness clearly now. We can see, Lord, how the world is being set up and played by the devil. And is going to ultimately be brought down. The devil hates every one of us, especially your people. But he hates his own people with a passion. All he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. And so thank you, Lord, that you've opened our eyes to your truth. We ask you to keep blessing these studies in your word. We ask all this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.